This is an ABC podcast. Meredith Hope, whom you're about to hear, reminds me of Paul Robeson in reverse. Robeson was one of the greatest singers of the 20th century and even sang to the workers building the Sydney Opera House. And perhaps his most famous song was Old Man River. But Robeson, or really Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein, who wrote the song nearly a hundred years ago, sang about the river just rolling along, doing no work, growing no cotton, uncaring. And that's quite wrong. Just listen to Meredith Hope. She's from the renowned Fenner School at the Australian National University, where they study environment and society. And yes, she does believe a river can sing, and she's a singer herself, as well as a lecturer. And here, speaking of the Occam's Razor live event in Canberra, she shows how you can follow a great river from its beginnings right to the sea, and hear music, as well as discover science. Imagine this. It's a chilly... Sunday morning, it's the car park above Threadbow Village and the start of the Cascade Track in Kosciuszko National Park. I wave goodbye to the intrepid explorers, Jason McQueen and Xavier Anderson, as they walk off into the white wilderness. They're off to record the sights and sounds of the start of the Murray River, or the source and to begin the two and a half thousand kilometre journey to the Murray Mouth. This picture is incongruous. Both of them wear hard hats. Both of them have two paddles sticking out of their backpacks. They look like giant rabbits from a distance. (laughs) And I know they're carrying two pack rafts in their backpacks, but they're walking through knee-deep snow. And I know that they're two days from the source and they're three days from paddling. Most people don't do this. (laughs) I anxiously try to remember why we're about to undertake this remarkable journey. Ah, yes, I think to myself, I remember. Let me take you all back to the Millennium Drought. The lower system of the Murray-Darling Basin had hypersaline wetlands acid sulphate soils and very low flows. Pumps were stranded and towns were on emergency rations. The nation recognised that we needed a new way of doing business and the environment had its water needs. And so the Basin Plan was born off the back of this national river stewardship, where stewardship is the ethic of care and sound management of a river. Since this time, things haven't been easy. We've had drought, partisan politics, and the impact of a changing climate. River stewardship has taken a beating. The practice of making hard decisions on water allocation in a harsh Australian climate has taken its toll. But this system still needs good river stewards. Otherwise, we risk that it will slowly lose its capacity to support life. We need to get smarter about communicating the needs of the environment, especially something as critical to life as fresh water. How do we usually communicate environmental river issues? 
commonly by shock tactics, news grabs, sound bites, fodder for the 24-hour news cycle, images of fish kills cut deeply. Also, bureaucratic reports, graphs, charts, executive summaries. No wonder people tune out. I think we're at risk of losing our river stewards. But we need to make this highly modified system work for future generations, for all interest groups that rely on this system. Town water supplies, agriculture, First Nations people, and the riverine environment, of course. We can't dehydrate this system so that it struggles or even fails. Think back to the last time you were dehydrated. Smelly, dark urine. <laughs> Very low flows. High risk of infection. Possible system failure. First line treatment, drink water. Now, think about the river. Shrinking wetlands. The kidneys are struggling to filter the water. The environmental flows are the water the doctor ordered to be left in the river so it can stay healthy and flush itself. It's critical we protect this system that sustains life right across vast tracts of regional Australia. So as an alternative to shock tactics, I think we need to spend more time capturing people's imagination. How? By inspiring people, turning mundane river data into something new. So I ask you all, can a river sing? <laughs> I think absolutely, and I hope you will too by the end of this talk. I can hear people saying, what? <laughs> Some are composing? And what about those people in the snow? Stay with me. At ANU, as a collaboration between the Fenner School of Environment and Society and the School of Music, we're going to use sonification to create a connection and engagement with a natural system. We're going to combine this with the sounds and pictures collected by our intrepid pair. More on them later. Sonification is not new. It's the process of translating data into sound. Take, for example, alarmed oximeters, clocks and Geiger counters. But when people listen to something that was once inaudible and invisible for the first time, there's the potential for new emotion and new connection. Think, for example, of hearing a baby's heartbeat in utero for the first time. This project takes mundane river data for geographic sites down the river, flows, salinity, depth, temperature, we propose to interpolate data between these sample points and create one continuous soundscape. What do you think that might sound like? At the moment, I hear a choir. Others think symphony. It could be described as the river's voice. And this is important because something without an audible voice is, in a sense, powerless. And the hope is this will create unexpected emotion greater connection and a unique perspective on river health. We might even be able to change the perception that rivers in industrialised countries are there to do work for us and that any water going out to sea is a waste. The Murray Mouth is still being dredged nine out of ten years 
and low flows continue to compromise it. This soundscape will show what the system sounds like in various conditions. The Murray River is the combination of all tributaries of the basin. And without flows to the sea, salinity will build up. And because this soundscape will present the relative difference between the top and the bottom, the soundscape will show what this sounds like. And some of you might be composing again. The relative difference between the top and the bottom is also important because currently there's no real biofeedback. Upstream use is felt downstream and not the other way around. We can use it to hear how tributaries contribute to overall health. Data from the bottom of the tributaries and offtake points will be used in the soundscape. But the sound of silence will be deafening. The Darling River has been dry for the last two years. The initial plan is to present one day of river data, but each geographical site has temporal data also, in some cases going back 100 years. We could become sonic time travellers. <laughs> what did this river sound like 100 years ago? And what did it sound like in the millennium drought? And perhaps, intriguingly, what will it sound like in a hundred years' time? Back to our intrepid pair. They took nearly 90 days to travel from the source to the sea. Their audiovisual material will be combined with the sonified soundscape. This remarkable journey collected the sounds and images of the Brumby trodden source, the snowmelt running through the notorious Murray Gates, the Murray River backwashing up the Darling River, and two dredges at work at the Murray mouth. They used a lightweight drone, a handheld audio recorder, a GoPro, and a 360-degree camera powered in part by a kayak-mounted solar panel. I have it on good authority that Jason slept with the batteries in the snow to keep them warm. <laughs> the aim is to create an interactive public exhibition in which people can hear and see tributaries entering and offtake points leaving, and hear and see the difference at the top and the bottom of the river. And the aim is to take this installation to communities to provide a local context inside a system-wide perspective and to override our focus on our own backyards. I'm anticipating the thrill of hearing the river's voice for the first time and merging this sonic fingerprint with the audiovisual material. My hope is that it will inspire re-engagement with this river, reignite our passion for river stewardship and rethink our perspectives on flows to the sea. And maybe, just maybe, create connection to another living system through the simple act of tuning in and listening. Thank you. Tuning in and listening. And I think Paul Robeson would have approved the real old man river in a 21st century light. Meredith Hope, who lectures at the Fenner School at the Australian National University in Canberra, named after Frank Fenner, a truly great Australian scientist. I'm Robin Williams.
You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.